1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Um, just um, one quick thing before we get into our passage, one of which John Davis was due to preach this uh, uh, sermon, but he's stuck at home. We, lots of people have got pinged this week. So having essentially survived 15, 16 months of that without sort of many people isolating, actually it's ironic right towards the end that lots of people have got uh, and have needed to isolate. So I've slightly changed the passage we're going to have a look at, which David has uh, read to us. But we're going to think a little bit about eternity this morning. And I wonder this morning what you think or what you feel the future about the future of our planet. I wonder what you think or feel about it. Do you know when I was growing up, I can just about remember when I was growing up in the 70s, that actually lots of the things that are on telly about the future and maybe some of the films were actually incredibly positive. There was a sense of optimism about the way the world might be. It may have gone through sort of Disney sepia kind of uh, tint, but there was an optimism. If you look at many of the things in our films and in our culture generally, actually they're incredibly bleak. We seem to be getting more and more bleak about the future of our world. Do you know, if you've seen the film, uh, as a number of you may, but many of you may not, The Hunger Games, they seem to capture a very dark, frightening vision of the future. Where do they come from? They're fed by, you know, the fact that there's a torrent of information out there through our news media, through social media, that kind of meditate constantly on the brokenness and the bleakness and the darkness at the heart of creation. The wars around the world are very real. The wars around the world are very real. They may feel very far to us here in Bath. Disease, crime, abuse, moral failures, wherever it is, judgment, criticism, injustice. We're consumed with impending environmental doom in our culture too. And actually, if we listen to all those voices, what we essentially get a sense of is that the world 
is going to hell in a handbasket. But where do you stand? Bleak or hopeful? Is it as simple as that? Are you bleak or are you hopeful about the future? We've also been living as a culture, but also as a world, through an incredibly difficult and challenging season. With lockdowns all upon us, all the consequences of lockdowns across the world, it's very easy to see sort of chaos and darkness as a pervading narrative in our world. Yet in that darkness, we've also seen incredible acts of self-sacrifice, of kindness, of generosity by many of the businesses, with the health workers and public workers, but also with the church too. Thankfully, with the development of the vaccines, many people are beginning to be a little bit more hopeful about the future, the immediate future. Actually, for me, it was lovely to see, I don't know whether you, any of you have been watching Wimbledon this week, and actually the two scientists who are at the centre of developing the, so the vaccine that essentially emanated from Britain got a standing ovation from the Wimbledon crowd. Two people doing what they're called to do, what they feel they've committed their lives to, but actually having been celebrated. But I'd like to suggest this morning that all of us need a certain and sure hope for our lives. Not just a hope that pretends the darkness isn't there, but a hope that lifts us from the darkness. And 1 Peter is a fabulous place to go for trying to make sense of hope amid suffering and amidst darkness too. Peter is telling the recipients of this letter, but also it's a message for us today, that if you're going to thrive, if you're going to get through this world well, that actually you're going to get through suffering that is going to hit us, you're going to have to hold on and find living hope. Verse 3, that is essentially the one we're going to look at, but it's an amazing passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his, his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I think one of the things that the coronavirus pandemic has brought to the surface in our culture is that we don't really have a way of dealing with death very well. In fact, the fear of death is actually really significant and massive in our culture. And it's a common fear amongst many people. And in the midst of kind of fear and suffering of darkness, there are many people who are going to offer you false hope. They're going to offer you all these other things that they think are going to give you help while you're suffering. And how is it that people who are outside the Christian faith, what are the common ways in which people are trying to deal with the fear of death, the very real fear of death? I discovered this week that if I went to the place that so many of us nowadays go to for looking for advice in the world or information in the world, there's actually an article on Wikipedia about dealing with the fear of death. And this is what Wikipedia has to offer us this morning in terms of dealing with a fear of death, how to overcome a fear of death. Firstly, understand that life is a, is a cycle. It's just the circle of life. People are born, people die, more people are born. It's not personal. You're not being singled out. Don't worry. 
that's the way it is. Stuff happens. Get on with it. Secondly, live life the way that you're supposed to. Don't waste your time worrying about death, but instead fill each day with as much joy as you can possibly cram into it. Fill your life with good things, which I'd like to suggest isn't the most helpful thing if you're lying in a nursing home. Thirdly, they suggested, just do anything that will take off your mind from dying. Dance, party, get another tattoo, get busy, take up cooking, find a hobby. Just do something to take off the, the, your mind off the fact that at one point you'll die. Now I'd like to suggest that offering empty hope is not going to get you through real suffering in your life. When someone you love dies, the rasping pain that has to someone who knows how it is to suffer. When you lose your job or your dreams are completely shattered from nowhere, where relationships fail that you'd banked on for your life. We need some, to find something that is sure and certain that will enable us. And Peter offers us in this letter living hope. And for him, what is living hope? Well, hope in the Bible is not just about being optimistic. Hope isn't just about England winning Euro 2021 and going to the next thing and hoping that it's going to be a positive outcome. Not trying to constantly just see the bright side of life. Not trying to train your will to think only positive things will happen. It said if you want to find a living hope and a sure hope, you need to trust in something solid and sure and certain that will sustain you no matter what life brings at you. A dozen times in the New Testament, the Bible calls us to put our hope in Jesus Christ. Put our hope in Jesus Christ. Here's what Peter says again. I'm going to read again verse 3. If you want the foundation of your life to have a sure foundation and you want living hope, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. One New Testament scholar put it this way in relation to this. He said, our hope is anchored in the past. Jesus rose. Our hope remains in the present. Jesus lives. And our hope is completed in the future. Jesus will return and is coming. Do you know, I, I can have hope in any situation because I've bet in my life something that is a sure thing. Jesus Christ was crucified for my sins and rose from the dead. And his resurrection guarantees that if I unite myself with the risen Christ, I will be raised from the dead too. And not only me, but everybody who unites themselves with the risen Christ through faith will be raised from the dead too. Death for Christians, for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, is not the end. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 
Now you may be saying, yes, but isn't it, Tim, isn't that what the church has always said? How do I know that that's just not another piece of advice like the Wikipedia advice? What's different about that truth? That it's not just you're offering me today as we sat here this morning. You're not just offering false hope. Well, the case for the resurrection of Jesus Christ continues to be studied by scholars more and more. And then they've examined it, continued to examine it in a whole range of ways. But there's a couple of scholars who sort of said, well, okay, let's start again. Let's take all the, the scholarship that's out there, both Christian and non-Christian, and just examine, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead something to put your house on or not? Let's look at the facts that all these scholars, Christian, non-Christian, others look at, and say, where does that leave us? And when they did that, they essentially said, there are four facts that everybody agrees, pretty much all the scholars agree on. Firstly, Jesus died by crucifixion. Jesus died a cruel death. Fact one. Fact two, Jesus' tomb was empty. Historians agree that both from the gospel witnesses, but also from the witnesses from Roman and Jewish witnesses, that the tomb was empty. The tomb of Jesus was empty. Fact three. Many people reported meeting the risen Jesus after that. This is agreed on by both believing and non-believing historians. Lots of people claimed that they met the risen Jesus. Fact four. The early church grew explosively after Jesus was crucified. Now it's really important to remember there are lots of people at that time claiming to be the Messiah. This wasn't uncommon in the first century. But what didn't happen is that those out of that grew all sorts of things. Bad things happened and the people who believed in those people who were false prophets, false hope, just dissolved and found something else to follow. But what was different with Christianity, Jesus' followers were absolutely unique. They went everywhere proclaiming that our Messiah has died and has risen the cross has paid for our sins. God has raised Jesus from the dead. Four facts. Jesus died, the tomb was empty, people were reported meeting the risen Christ, and the church grew explosively after Jesus was crucified. And even just taking the four bits of information that most people agree with, the argument, simply put, is saying the most likely expect, uh, life interpretation of those four facts from anybody was that actually Jesus did rise from the dead. And it's something this morning that we can pin our hope on in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of all the difficulties of this world. The resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ. And Christian hope, living hope, is a sure hope, but it's also a realistic hope. And in many ways, that's why I've turned to 1 Peter for that. Peter is not a preacher of a prosperity gospel that's saying, just believe in Jesus and everything will be fine. Peter is saying whether you're rich or poor, whatever background you come from, whatever circumstances that you've been through in your life, at some point, it's a truth that suffering will hit your world, will come into your world. Christian hope is a realistic hope 
in the midst of a world where suffering is a reality. Christians look at the world realistically. We look at the unpleasantness as alongside the beauty, squarely in the eyes and recognise it for what it is, but we say, nevertheless, because of all that brokenness. That's not the defining story. We will prevail, we will win in the end. Why? Because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Even death itself will not defeat us. Death is not the end. Stories told uh, by a senior um, person from the army who was in the, in the kind of POW camps in Vietnam. And he was once, he was once asked, what, you know, who are the people who don't get out of POW camps? Who are the people who don't get alive? And he said something quite surprising. He said, actually, it's the optimists who don't get out. And the person said, well, surely that's ridiculous, isn't it? It's just good to have optimistic people around you. He said, well, no, what happens is they say that, you know, it's going to happen in two weeks' time. They're like, two weeks' time come and it goes. It's going to happen in six weeks' time. It's going to happen at Christmas. We're going to get out by Easter. And he said, what happened is that the hope, the false hope, ended up breaking their hearts and killing them. It's neither great nor bad to be completely optimistic or completely pessimistic, but at the end, they won't save you. Christians are realists, facing the truth of who the world is, the truth of who God is, but facing it square on too. But we have a glorious hope. We have a secure future with God, of Jesus returning, of a new promise of a new heaven and a new earth, that evil in all its forms will be destroyed, and peace, eternal peace, will be established. C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his wonderful essays called The Weight of Glory. In it, he describes Christians entering heaven like a child, but a place where they will radiate God's glory, they will radiate splendor, they will radiate brightness, they will radiate the luminosity of our God. All of us will shine like the sun, united to his beauty, in other words, the trials and difficulties that all of us experience by being part of life will pass away. Death will be no more. But we'll not only see glory, we won't just observe glory, but his glory will shine in us and through us. We will be filled with God's glory, God's splendor. That is a beautiful future. That is good news. And the truth is, you know, although we can look on the bright side of life with where the vaccine is and all those things, there will be tough times ahead for each one of us. But the good news for those who have trusted your lives to Christ this morning, he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And one day, if you put your trust in him, you will shine like the sun. We will prevail, we will win, we will be filled with the glory of God. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I want to pray this morning, particularly for anybody this morning who knows that deep down that um, they're struggling, they're finding it difficult to keep going and believing the truth of your resurrection. They know in their heads, but they're finding it hard to keep following. And so, Father, I ask this morning that by your Spirit, would you come afresh upon us? Would you renew our minds? Would you renew our hearts as we respond to you by giving our lives to you this morning to say, yes, I put my trust in you, Jesus, the one who has overcome death itself. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen us and renew in us a vision of eternity that means that we can continue to walk through the suffering that each of us face in smaller or bigger ways day by day. Father, help us not lose sight of eternity, lose sight of being with you as we walk in this world. Father, would you help us this morning? Would the truth of following the God in Jesus, who is the resurrection and life, fill our lives again with your hope, with your love, with the truth of all you've done for us? And Father, would we simply offer our lives to you, back to you in return? Say we trust you, Jesus, even amongst the struggles and the hardships, the doubts, the fears, the anxiety. Would you renew us afresh by your spirit? Would you empower us to live for you this coming week? And would you lift heads that have become bowed down with the weight of some of those who've suffered most in the last, particularly the last 15 months or 16 months? Would your beauty come afresh to people who are completely weighed down? And actually you know it this morning. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your love for us that comes to us even in our weakness and vulnerability. But would you lead us too? In Jesus' name, amen.